Good evening, everyone. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to church on Wednesday night. It's great to have all of you here. It's wonderful to see you. I'm glad that I can be here on campus tonight with my church family. And for those of you that are joining us via live stream and Facebook Live, I want to say welcome to you as well. We're glad that you're with us. Just want to give you a few announcements this evening. First of all, I want to remind you, uh, Saturday, October 29th, the second annual chili cook-off. And if you would like to, somebody's excited. I'm expecting a win out of that pot of chili. Should have known that was Daniel. If you would like to enter a pot of chili like our good brother Daniel, please contact Sister Sheila Landry and let her know. Also, uh, this coming Sunday, Brother Daniel Gums will be with us and will be speaking our 11 a.m. service. And also, October 15th, there will be a health seminar here at the church in the A Center with uh, chiropractor Dr. Butler, and that will be in the A Center at 9 a.m. Sister Casey is going to come just a few minutes and give us some more information about that. But before she comes, uh, I just want to leave you with a very quick thought. Uh, most of Scripture refers to the Christian life as a walk. Um, there's uh, Hebrews 12 and 1 actually talks about running with patience or running with endurance, but almost all of the other scriptures uh, that refer to the Christian life in some way or make a metaphor of it, we'll call it a walk. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Galatians 5 and 25 says let us also walk in the spirit. And Ephesians 5 and 2 says simply to walk in love. I want you to notice that walking is one of the slowest forms of transportation there is. The only other thing that would have been slower is if we had been invited to crawl. But he spared us that and invited us to walk. Now, he, didn't, he did not invite us to mount our white Arabian steed and ride like the wind bullseye into this Christian walk, and he did not invite us to fly in this Christian walk. He just asked us to walk with him. Just put one foot in front of the other. It's going to take a little while, but you'll get there if you just keep walking. God bless you this evening. Casey. Good evening, Grace Church. I am happy to be here. I like Wednesday nights. I like Sundays. I know they're high octane, but I like Wednesday nights. I usually sit up here by Sister Patricia. I get a different view. It's just a whole different dynamic. It feels a little more relaxed for me, I guess, than a Sunday, but I love Bible study, and I'm, I'm happy to be here tonight. I love Wednesday nights. I have been asked by pastor to come and... Um, promote our health and wellness seminar. Uh, just to give you a little background, I go to Dr. Butler. I am officially the age of going to a chiropractor, and if you're officially that age too and having some pain, I would recommend him. 
I actually think there's a handful of folks at our church who are now going to see Dr. Butler. Um, he is a very good chiropractor, but he's also a Christian. And um, he has a lot of knowledge, not just on being a chiropractor, but in keeping the body as a whole healthy and well. So my brother and I have had recent conversations since we're, you know, on the hill of 40 years old and for him 40 plus, that health is wealth. You know, there's a lot to be said about, Lord, please, I'm going to come up here and pray for a blessing that you would bless my bank account. And yeah, that's nice too, but I'm kind of at that age, Lord, if you'd bless my spine right now, that's almost as good as blessing my bank account. Health is wealth. If we want to be in shape physically to be able to do what God wants us to do, we need to take care of our temple. I remember being at youth camp prior to being 40. I'll tell on myself, my boys were young. They weren't even campers yet. And if you've been to kids camp or junior camp, any of them, you know it gets, it gets loud and they, they get going. And there were kids running the aisles and it was just one of those runaway services. People were jumping, young people, very young people were jumping for a very long time. And I jumped with them for a while, and then my legs just started doing this. They were just trembling, and it wasn't under the Holy Ghost. It's called, you don't work out, girl. You better put your feet down on the floor. So I felt a little convicted about that. I thought, man, I can't even worship the way that I want to worship at my age, which I wasn't even at 40 yet, because I'm not in shape. I need to take better care of my temple. All of that to say, I think this is important. It is an effort for Grace Church to reach out to the community. We're running ads in the central papers, and it's just a means to reach out to our community, a way for them to come and see our facility, have a little bit of a connect point with Grace Church. But in addition to that, it is to help keep us healthy. I would encourage you to come. Dr. Butler, he's very chatty. He will answer any questions that you have. He is coming. He sent me his outline. I asked him for it. I had to look up what some of the words meant, but I'm going to explain it in such a way that we understand. He's going to talk about some chiropractic basics. You're not going to go home being a chiropractor, but you'll, you'll learn the importance of those muscles and bones and how they work or that they should be working. He's also going to talk about ergonomics and uh, what, that, what he means by that is the importance of sleeping, working, resting, even driving. Uh, he's going to talk about the importance of exercise. Here we go. Stretching, uh, strengthening your core, cardiovascular health, hydration, all those sorts of things. He's going to talk about nutrition, water, food is medicine. That's something he has told me multiple times. I, I get little, you know, I kind of feel like oh, a little dejected when I leave. Like you know, Dr. Butler gave me another lecture today on how food Food is medicine. You need to be eating the right foods. I'm like, is the implication that I'm not? I'm trying. I had a banana. That's about as good as it got for the day. He's going to talk to us about how important food is. Like I said, sleep, sleep, your sleep schedule, supplements, and then a whole, um, actually, he's going to do a whole slide presentation on supplements of different vitamins and things for your body. All of that to say, this is really important for every age. I know my two are, well, my one, I have one child who is getting to an age where they want to be healthy and they want to be 
keep their body in shape, and it's the temple of God, and I think we should. I mean, we are here for a temporary amount of time, but if we are housing the Holy Ghost, you know, you don't want to beat up the housing too, too bad. So I want to encourage everybody to come to our health and wellness seminar. Dr. Butler, like I said, is very knowledgeable. He's very passionate about the topic. He's a really nice Christian man. So please make plans to come out to our health and wellness seminar. to be 40 again. Miss Daniel's speaking up on that one. Of course, he's not reached the 40 mark, but he will. Lord, Terry's, but it still hurts. That's right. Um, wait till you're 60 plus. And when I thought that while she was making this presentation that she did a wonderful job, I looked at Brother Donnie sitting on the front row, and I thought, well, maybe I'm not quite as bad off as I think I am as well. So, I mean, he's bumping, what, 90, 95, something like that, I think. So, um, great to see everybody here tonight. Thank you so much for coming, and uh, I appreciated our guest here tonight. Thank you so much for coming. I uh, deeply appreciate you being here. Uh, I want to jump right into our Bible study uh, for tonight. Um, last Wednesday night, I taught a very passionate, uh, I guess more preach than teach Bible study on he that overcomes. And um, it's still with me. Um, you, can, you can do what you want to do. You can say what you want to say. You can live however you want to live. That's your choice. But if you don't make it to heaven, if you don't make it to heaven, uh, I don't know what, I, I don't know how that would feel. I, I don't want to know how that would feel. Let me read our scripture text that we read last Wednesday night. I want to continue that theme. Uh, tonight we'll have a, a different tone, uh, but the passion will still be there. Revelation 21, 7. Jesus said, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. The inverse of that scripture, if you will, is that he that does not overcome will not inherit anything. Uh, and I believe, I believe Jesus is very serious about this statement. I want to continue tonight, he that overcomes. I want to talk to you about the wicked one, and, uh, uh, which is obviously the devil. How many of you here tonight believe there is a devil? How many believe that your spouse is? No, we, we won't go that far. <clears throat> if we want to make heaven our home, we are called on to live an overcoming life, a life that overcomes sin, a life that overcomes the world, a life that overcomes the devil himself. <clears throat> As I stated last week, maintaining the victory to be continually winning, to be that continual overcomer, 24-7, etc. Um, maintaining the victory is one of the hardest things to do. But I believe we can do it, and I believe there's people here tonight that are. 
The Apostle Paul knew quite a bit about staying victorious. Yet at the same time, he struggled just like you and I do. We can relate to him today because he was always honest about his struggle to maintain the victory. In Romans 7, he was very honest and very transparent. In verse 18, he said, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. It just seems like based on these two verses that Paul was in a continual, every day, every night, all week long, all month long, struggle to maintain some posture or position of winning, of winning uh, this struggle that we have with our flesh, with the devil, with the world, etc. More than any other New Testament writer, Paul talked about his struggle to overcome. He was always battling his flesh. Yet later Paul wrote that he that endures to the end the same shall be saved. And to Timothy he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course and I have kept the faith. As tough as it was to maintain the victory, to be an overcoming person, Paul found a way to do it. And if Paul can, then so can we. We oftentimes talk about how powerful Paul was and he was right. And, and that is a right statement, is a correct statement. He was a powerful, powerful apostle. But he was one of the most evil men that ever lived prior to his conversion. And I can understand why, knowing his past, him knowing his past, the things that would come back and haunt him and taunt him, tempt him, etc. cetera, uh, it had to be a struggle for this man. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight that there are some things that the Word of God reveals to us that I believe will help you maintain an overcoming, a winning posture. The first part of this, I'm going to use the word training. It's called training. My, my, my word of preference would be discipleship, to allow yourself to be discipled, to allow yourself to be disciplined takes a lot of discipline to live life anyway. Uh, nobody is free to do exactly everything that you want to do. No one is. Uh, we have laws that we abide by, but there's biblical laws that we abide by. And as long as we continue and strive to obey those things, to submit ourselves to biblical teaching, it's called training. It takes a process, as Jason said, it's a walk. Uh, it, it takes a little time. I think all of us understand whenever a boxer begins training for a fight, there are a few things that he must know in order to be successful in that fight. He has to understand that he can't fight his up-and-coming fight perhaps the same way he did the last one. The opponent's going to be different. The training's going to be different. There's going to be a lot of study. There's going to be a lot of focus. All of those things go into it. 
but he knows when he steps into the ring it's going to be a battle. There's not going to be one moment where the other fighter is going to be, is going to just say, hey, look, I see you're getting tired here, just catch your breath. It's not. The other fighter is going to be looking for any weakness he can find. He's going to be looking for any way that, uh, that this boxer would be vulnerable, etc. So he has to understand that you are going into a fight. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be very painful. It's going to be very tiring. So if we're going to apply that analogy to what I'm presenting here tonight, we have to understand, first of all, that we are in a spiritual battle every single day. And I want to make a big, bold statement here, and I want everybody to listen. If the devil is not ever bothering you about anything, I would be scared to death because I'm not a threat. He is not afraid of me. He don't care about me. In other words, he has me where he wants me. And that would terrify me if the devil is not bothering me and fighting me. We're in a spiritual battle, and we are every day. And I hope that's obvious to everyone here tonight. This is a spiritual walk we are in. And when it comes time to fight, it will be a spiritual fight. If the boxer I just referred to started training for a wrestling match instead of a boxing match, he would be in a lot of trouble when the fight time came. Paul said in Ephesians 6, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is not a fight in the flesh, but a fight in the spirit. And as much as we need to understand how to we need so desperately to understand how to fight a spiritual battle. It takes training. The second thing we must know, I'd like to recommend uh, here tonight in passing, if you've never read the book This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti, uh, if you care to find that, uh, I'm sure it's still available. It would be worth it. To read, I think it's the most, it's a novel. It's not a study book, it's a novel. Once I started reading it, I could hardly set it down until I was finished with it. But it was quite eye-opening as to what spiritual warfare is. This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti. The second thing we need to know is who our enemy is. Since this is a spiritual battle, we can't see our opponent, and we can't even fight our enemy unless we know who he is. And it is true, referring to the boxer again, that for every fighter he fights, he has to train differently depending on who the next opponent is. John wrote in his epistle in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. You have overcome the devil. That's quite a statement. That's quite a statement. I believe it is possible to reach a place spiritually where the devil himself won't attack you face-to-face, front-on, if you will. Um, I believe it's, it's possible to reach a point where the devil is terrified of you, but that doesn't mean he's going to leave you alone. He's going to try something else other than a direct confrontation with you. I've had my share of direct confrontations with the devil. 
and I've had a lot of them. There's not any of them that I've ever run away from, not one ever. But I can tell you he has never left me alone. Uh, I still can discern most of the time when the devil is still trying to trick me up and get me to do something foolish in my relationship with God. John, in, his, in this verse that I just read, in verse 14, he reveals who the wicked one is. And we all understand that that is Satan himself, the devil. He is the enemy of our souls. Something we need to understand tonight, and I want everybody to hear me. He don't care what you do. He don't care how you live. He don't care anything about your life. He don't care anything about your family. He don't care anything about anything. His destin destination and eternity is predetermined. We all know that. And he wants to drag as many people to hell as he can. And if he can get you to not live for God, that's all he's got to do. If he can twist you up with your attitude, with your spirit, if he can twist you up with discouragement, the list is endless. It doesn't matter. He plays every tool he has on everybody. He knows all of your weaknesses. He knows what you're the most vulnerable to. It could be anybody. It could be anything. He doesn't care. He just doesn't want you to go to heaven. And if he can stop that, he'll let you come to church every service. As long as he knows you're not living for God. He'll let you pay your tithes every service. As long as he knows you're not living for God. He sure will. We need to understand that. Ever since the beginning of time, the devil has been seeking to destroy mankind. The Bible said in Revelation 20 and verse 10, For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Nonstop, day and night, the devil is roaming to and fro looking for another soul to destroy. That's what he does. That is who he is. And there's nothing that perplexes and hurts this pastor anymore is when I see the devil move in on our good church folks and destroy them. And you stand here and you preach and you stand here and you teach and you pray. You work with people, you talk to people, you counsel with people and people make up their mind. They just, I, I just, I don't want to serve God. They don't understand what they're giving themselves into, what they're turning themselves over to. So how do we withstand the attack of the devil? We need to understand his methods. Back to the boxer. Every fighter studies the methods of their opponents so they can learn to defend and attack in the appropriate ways. A number of years ago, the Indian Amateur Boxing Federation sent a, a videographer to Taipei, Taiwan to capture video of every possible opponent that their five boxers might face in the Olympic Games. They wanted to study their footwork, the style, the strength, the weakness of every one of their potential opponents. Since they have started this strategy... Indian boxers have been highly successful in winning medals at international events. Somebody said one time, you need to know your foe. And that's what these people have set out to do. And it's been very successful. You and I should do the same thing. Yes, we need to know who God is. And we talk a lot about that. It's rare that I teach a Bible study on the devil. I don't want to waste my time talking about the devil. And I'm not here to put him on an ego trip and say he's doing a wonderful job. I want you to know who you're... Who you're dealing with every single day that you wake up. It doesn't matter. 
I want you to know who your enemy is. And if you want to win the fight against him and save your soul, you have to understand who he is and how he works against humanity. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, lest Satan get, should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We need to understand how it works. Folks, you have to be cognizant 24-7, 365. You never let your guard down. Even when you're on vacation, when you're in the Smoky Mountains, when you're in Branson, when you're in Canada, when you're in Mexico, wherever you go, you have to be on your guard at all times, he will find a, you in a vulnerable place and he, will destroy, he can destroy you, your marriage, your kids, your life by you doing something stupid. Everybody say amen. Don't be ignorant of how he works. One of Satan's methods is to attack us when we are weak. He never has liked a fair fight. It is when we are weak that Satan tries to take advantage of us the most. I understand that. I've, I've lived that numerous times in my life. I get tired. I feel weak. I feel worn out. I'm exhausted. I'm burned out. That's when the devil comes knocking on your door. He don't catch you after a red-hot prayer meeting when you've just come off of a three-day fast. He's going to wait until you're the most vulnerable, and he knows when that is. Trust me. He knows your weakness is better than you do. Well, you got to keep your guard up. You got to keep your guard up. It's interesting to me that Satan came against Jesus when he was weak and tired and hungry. The Bible said in Matthew 4, and we all know the story, that Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward in hunger, and then the tempter came to him. And it's interesting that the first thing the devil tempted Jesus to do was to turn these stones into bread. Why did he do that? He ain't eaten anything in 40 days. It's a no-brainer. He caught Jesus at what he thought was his most vulnerable place. I don't want to in any way discount or belittle in any way this event in the life of Jesus. But I can't imagine how he felt. I've never fasted 40 days. I have to say this in passing. I don't know that I know anybody that has fasted a full 40 days without anything to eat or drink. I've had people tell me that I fasted 40 days, but man, every morning I had to drink orange juice and drink a couple pieces of toast, and before I went to bed, I had to eat this and that. I'm like, you didn't fast 40 days. You may not be eating what you normally eat, but you've been eating. But I don't want to, in all due respect, but I don't know about you, but I love bread. Sister Murphy loves bread more than I do. Sister Murphy loves bread more than life itself. Brother Mike. I, I like it. Yeah, we, we used to go on a cruise now and then uh, a number of years ago, and it seemed like that night at dinner they had set a little basket of rolls that were warm and buttered of different kinds of, of bread and whatnot, and you just hope the people across the table don't like bread because... They're not going to get very much of it. I mean, can you, anybody imagine the smell of bread when it comes out of the oven? Has anybody ever walked into Walmart back in the day when they baked bread and you walked in there and smelled it? Did you go home without a loaf of it? 
If you did, you were a bigger person than Sister Merv. You ever watched butter just melt all over freshly baked bread? Have you ever driven by the bakery downtown when they're baking bread? Try fasting on that day and then go another block or two and ride by community coffee and get a whiff of that. <clears throat> now, I got to be honest. If I just fasted, completely fasted 40 days and the devil tempted me with bread, I don't know if I would have the ability to do what Jesus did. Sure, I'll take some. Give me, give me about four pieces right now and I'll repent later. <clears throat> trying to belittle this but you have to understand what Jesus was going through and besides the incredible animosity and enmity between those two people he will catch you when you're the most vulnerable Satan comes when we are the least likely to resist him when we're the least likely to put up a fight has anybody ever gotten to the point where you just say, who cares? I've tried, tried, can't ever do anything right, can't get everything, nothing's ever right in my life, and everything's falling apart in my life. Who cares? I'm just going to go out and just get loaded with drugs or stone drunk or be immoral, whatever. Just kind of give up. And, buddy, he is having a good old time at your expense when you do that. You have to know his tactics. I want to tell everybody, I want to remind everybody here tonight. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your weaknesses. And he will exploit them every chance he gets. So how do you handle that? It comes to training, and you have to be prepared for it. You have to be prepared for it. Satan comes when we're the least likely to resist him, when we're the least likely to put up a fight. And if we know that, then we can detect what his plan is, what he's trying to get us to do. And if you are ready, you don't have to fight him. The Bible is very clear on that. You don't have to get in a wrestling match with him. You don't have to get in a boxing ring with him. The Bible teaches us to resist him. That's not swinging your fist. That's not throwing him to the floor and punching him in the eye. It's not that. It's just telling the devil, I may be going through a tough time right now, but I am not going to do what you are tempting me to do. That's not going to happen. That's resisting. We all know the verse of Scripture. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You make a stand against him. You can be flat on your back in horrendous pain, discouraged, and all of that. And the devil come to you as he did Job and said, why don't you just forget about all this God stuff? He's not going to heal you. He's not going to take care of you. He's not with you anymore. He don't love you anymore. He don't care about you. You can resist him. Just say no. That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus was weak from fasting and prayer and not eating in 40 days. And he was still able to resist the devil. Every time the devil came with, at him with a new attack, Jesus responded with the word of God, and we all know that. He told the devil in this particular case that man shall not live by bread alone, 
You shall not live by the domination and ruling of your flesh. There's more to you than that. And just by satisfying the urge of my flesh is not going to take care of this situation I'm in. So no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to default back to the Word of God. And if God wants me to live through this fast, then He will provide for me. I don't have to do anything for myself. He will take care of me. He'll give me the strength I need, the encouragement I need, all of that. Jesus defaulted to the power that was in him. He didn't give way to the temptation of the devil. Every time Jesus quoted the word of God to the devil, he backed away and tried something else. Jesus kept quoting the word until the devil kept backing away until he finally gave up and he moved on. This is where we encourage you consistently to study the Word of God, to commit some verses to memory. I remember, I've told you this story, it, it fits right here, and I, 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 I don't want to go too much down a personal, personal path with this, but we were renting the build, this building. We had not bought it, we were renting it. And I was in here praying one Wednesday night before church, pacing back and forth across the front. The door over there was cracked open about a foot and a half, two feet, and all of a sudden it slammed shut, and I knew I was the only one in this building. What would you do? That wouldn't work. You're going to have to do something else besides that. Anyway, um, there was a Bible sitting on one of these. It was pews then, but sitting on the front row. And I grabbed it, and I put it up against my chest, and I went straight for that door. I didn't turn a light on. I walked through it, and I started quoting every verse of Scripture that I could think of and ran that thing all the way out and opened the back door and said, now get out of here. That's what you do. You take a Bible, the Word of God, and he has to flee from that. He hates it. He's terrified of it. And he doesn't like it. Obviously. Everybody say amen. amen. The word of God is powerful. Hebrews says that. For the word of God is quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Quote some scripture when he's beating the daylights out of you. Wanting you to do something really stupid. I'm not going to fight this on, by myself, God. I'm going to invoke the word of God. That is my form of defense. I'm going to resist it. Jesus did it. This is how we fight. Peter said in his epistle, listen to this statement. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Hold your ground. I'm not going down. I'm going to fight for what's right. I'm going to do what's right. I may not feel good. I may not be in a good mood and everything around me may be falling apart and I may not have a great diagnosis for the future. But that is not giving me a license to turn my back on God. Another writer said it this way, submit yourselves therefore to God. Oh, oh my goodness. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. We commented on this verse a moment ago. But that first phrase is the, just, man, that's hard to do. Submit to the word of God. Submit to God. You want me to do all of that, Pastor? You really want me to do that? Yes. If you want to be an overcomer and inherit all things, yes. Jesus showed his submission to God through fasting and also his knowledge. He had knowledge of the word of God. And that was that was what empowered his resistance to the devil. 
the night I was here that I just referred to, uh, remind the devil about the blood of the lamb. Revelation chapter 12, and I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which is accused him before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, one. Number two, the word of their testimony. Uh, I believe I said it last Wednesday night. Pray your testimony. Remind God of what he's brought you through and see what it does to you. When you start, when you start going through your testimony and all the battles and sickness and disease and domestic problems and financial problems, start re- just saying those things out loud and remind God that you have a blood covering and remind the devil that you have a blood covering. The devil is not going to hang around. He's not. I don't believe he can. We do have to remind Satan that he was forever defeated at Calvary by the blood of Christ that was shed for each of us. That is the word of God and remind him what the word says. And again, we overcome by the word of our testimony. Our testimony is how we live. This again comes uh, back to our submission to God. Are we living a submitted life? If we are, then our testimony will bring us the victory. Overcoming our enemy all comes down to our submission to God. This is how we win this fight. We submit to God by doing what the word says. When we don't live according to his word, we're actually resisting God instead of resisting the devil. There's not a middle ground here. And we need to understand that tonight. If you're not resisting the devil and the devil is just kind of having free course in your life and you're doing everything he's tempting you to do, you're resisting God now. Too many of us are doing just that. We're not obeying scripture and therefore we're resisting God. If it, is it any wonder that the devil has free reign in our lives and that our lives are just falling apart in front of our very eyes? I'm talking to people here tonight who is having a hard time overcoming submission, discipleship, accountability is the way we win. Jesus showed his submission in a few ways. Jesus came off of a 40-day fast. He was submitted. He had been praying. He was submitted. He was in the Word of God. He was submitted. When God sees our submission to his will and now are allowing God's Spirit to fight for us, our will is submitted to his, our spirit is yielded to his, and God is free to come in and fight our battle for us. The Bible does remind us, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. If you're not submitted to his plan, his word, his will, then we have left no room for his spirit to work in and through us. The the key to overcoming the attack of the devil is to stay submitted to God. Now that we understand the importance of submitting to God, I want to show you just two avenues that Satan attacks us through. He, he don't come just straight face to face and say, he'll never tell you who he is. He'll never walk up and say, hey, I'm the devil, and I'm, I'm going to just beat the tar out of you for the next while. See what you can do about it. He don't do that. He don't never identify himself. But I want to just, just in conclusion tonight, give you two ways, two avenues that the devil uses to attack people through. You all know it, but I'm here to say it again. The first is found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Love not the world. I don't remember who 
put a incredible post on Facebook. A number of people have sent it to me. Talking about the experience of backsliding. I'm sure all of you have read it. I mentioned it last Wednesday night about how euphoric it can be. It's just amazing. To backslide, I never have to go to church again. Never have to give an offering. Never have to pay tithes again. Go where I want to go. Do what I want to do. Just the flesh has its way. I can just party. I can drink. I can cuss. I can smoke. Curse, excuse me. Um, I can do whatever I want to do. I can cheat on my spouse if I want to. I don't have to even be that nice to my kids if I don't want to. I mean, I am just going to forget about all this Christianity business and do my thing. And for a while, it can be just exhilarating. I am free and do as I please. But if anybody has any sense of vision, there's a date on the calendar in the future of a backslider where things aren't so beautiful anymore. Things aren't so grand anymore. Conscience kicks in and things start falling apart. The tires start coming off and things aren't going well. And most people backslide, most people that backslide over a love for the world the others being offended I'm not going down that path tonight but most people have an inherent desire to see all the stuff out in the world and I want to do that I feel like I've been deprived what's tragic is when most backsliders meet their waterloo with life and the way they're living very few of them ever come back to God for his help to fix it they just keep repeating the cycle and compounding the problem Satan attacks us through the world. Our world has increasingly, has increasingly decided to leave God out of the picture. We can't pray in schools anymore. The definition of marriage is no longer based on God's definition of marriage. There's no respect for life. The world's way of thinking has become as it was in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot. Jesus said it would, and we're there. It's not coming. It's here. Our culture has become ungodly. Our thinking has been infiltrated by this ungodly culture and our worldview has been warped by Hollywood and the media. Our culture has become desensitized to God and his laws and our carnal senses have been awakened by the picture that the world has painted for mankind. And since the world's way of thinking appeals to our carnal senses, the only way we can overcome that is to have faith in God's way of thinking. We must have faith in God's ways and in God's laws. Otherwise, we will give in to the current system of the world. It's creeping into the church. It's, it's, it's all over. I mean, somebody said one time you'd have to be as blind as a bat in a snowstorm wearing sunglasses. I mean, if you can't see what's happened to so many of our, you only, our UPC churches. I've talked quite a bit about that in the past couple of weeks. It's heartbreaking to me to watch it. We're embracing culture, not the word of God. John said in his epistle in 1 John 5, for whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory 
that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith in God overcomes the world. And if we have faith in God's system, then that system is what we will trust. Paul said we walk by faith and not by sight. The second avenue tonight in conclusion that the devil attacks us through is found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of this world. Satan knows that we were created. We were all created equal. We were all born in sin. That is our nature. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. Our very nature is carnal. So Satan attacks us through the avenue of our carnal flesh. Paul said, for if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He said in Galatians 5 that they are, uh, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily, Paul said. We can overcome our flesh and our carnal nature by crucifying our flesh every day. You don't give in to what the flesh wants. That simply means dying out to sin on a daily basis, repenting every day, praying every day, being disciplined enough to say no to sin, to those things that will cause, that will break our relationship with God. It must become a lifestyle. It must become a lifestyle. It's the way we live. It's, it's who we become if we want to continue to overcome. So I remind you that there are people that have overcome. But I also encourage you to continue to overcome so that you can one day inherit eternal life. If we continue to submit ourselves to God, walk by faith, and live a repentant lifestyle, we will outlast the enemies of our soul. John said that the world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So one day... Our adversary will go to the lake of fire. The world will be destroyed for, uh, will be destroyed by fire and recreated for the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Our flesh will be changed in an instant to be like Jesus at the sound of the trumpet, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I've made up my mind a long time ago to the best of my ability. I want to be an overcomer so I can inherit all things my desire is nothing on this planet worth going to hell over there's not a person worth going to hell over and, and we we put off that date sometimes well i don't have anything to worry about i got time to do this and i got time to do that and all that you don't know that that's what's so scary to me you don't know that so many things i want to say but my time is is shot uh Thank you for being here tonight. Appreciate your attention. Um, you seem to absorb tonight what you've heard. I trust that you have. And uh, so God bless you tonight. Remember service Sunday. Uh, come out expecting a great time with Brother and Sister Gums. We're looking forward to having them. Come open-hearted, open-minded, and uh, see what God will do. So God bless you tonight. You're dismissed. We thank you for coming. And uh, Lord willing, we'll look forward to seeing you back here Sunday morning. Y'all just won't sit there. I can keep going. I mean, I just, <laughs> God bless you tonight.